Hey guys, welcome to Bag the Boardcast, episode number 395. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out October 23rd, 2019. Let's get ready to read. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And today we're going to be bringing you the ninth part of our great Marvel movie retrospective, where we're taking a look back at the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, knowing what we know now, where it's come up. Uh, but we're going to be talking about Captain America, the Winter Soldier from 2014. I don't remember what we used to say for 2014. I don't even know if we did something different. I don't think we did anything back then. I think it was like no, 2017, we... 18, and 19. Uh, we were so naive. You know what we did do back then, and what we do currently, before we really start the show? Drink too much. Yes, exactly. And uh, I'm actually drinking a beer, a uh, blast from the past. One of our favorites when we first started this, uh, the podcast. Uh, oh, this it's is Ithaca a, 14. No, well, it's close. Ithaca Brewery's Flower Power. Oh. New container, Ooh. who dis? Uh, this is in their 16-ounce can. It comes in a four-pack now. I don't know how much I paid for it, John. Oh, is this the Galaxy? This is the Galaxy Hop. With Galaxy Hops. Yeah. Oh, is it a different series? I thought it, it was just a new way of presenting this. No, it's Flower pop. Power with Galaxy Hops. Oh, okay. Cool. It's uh, it's decent. So it's, it's probably better uh, than regular Flower Power that tastes well, awful I haven't now. had regular... I haven't had regular flower power in forever, but this has got a nice hop through and through. Good and hoppy. Uh, it's 7.2 alcohol by volume, and it's, uh, yeah, it's it's called Flower Power with Galaxy Hops, now that I'm looking at it closely. It's it's decent. Is it right the soldiers worthy? No. But if I had a choice between regular flower power and Galaxy Hops, I'm, I'm going to go with this one. I was excited. Uh, I, had, I, would... okay, I had regular flower power not too long ago, and it's not as good as it used to be. I mean, I wouldn't say it's terrible, but it's just it's a shell of what it was. Well, it's not the same recipe that we fell in love with. Yeah. Oh, different recipe. So uh, you changed the recipe anything? twice. Chris, you, you drank flower power not so long ago, but what are you drinking currently? Uh, today I'm actually drinking a beer from Southern Tier Brewing, and this is their New Juice IPA. Uh, they call it a juicy India pale ale, and yeah, that's that's what it is. I really can't say too much about it. I put it at a three out of five on um, Untapped. It's a decently juicy, hoppy IPA. Like, there's nothing to stand out about. It. It's not bad. I think I picked up the six pack for like ten bucks. Um, not bad, not great. I'll finish the rest of my six pack and probably never, never pick it up again. It again. I, yeah. I'll, I mean, Southern Tier has other beers I'd pick up way before it. I mean, let alone the pumpkin beers that are already out on the shelves. It's, I mean, those are going to be my go-tos. But even any of the other versions of their their IPAs, I would probably pick up before this one. And it's nothing against it. It's just not, not too standout. Uh, and I'm drinking Tubular from Orono Brewing, our... O-R-O-N-O. Aurora Monroe. Brewing is what you meant to say. Oh. Yes. Storm's uh, coming. 
and this is uh, 7.2%, triple dry hopped, uh, tropical stone fruits, red berry, tangerine flavors, brewed with a whole lot of galaxy, Eldorado, Citra, and Topaz. And it's pretty good. It definitely has a little more bitter to it, but it is uh, pretty tasty. Nothing wrong with that. I'm looking forward to my next beer more, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Yeah. But first, Paul, you know what we got to do? Talk about the Week in Geek. Bring you the well, top we gotta, geek stories. We got to we got to head into the news garden, and then we can talk about the Week. In geek. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you keep geez, forgetting I about the news garden. The news garden. No, the Week in Geek is the news garden. Yeah. Yeah, we got to go gather it all up for the weekly harvest. Oh, yeah, we got to gather up the news for you weekly and harvest it and talk about all the cool Batman casting. So, two casting news is news I. Newses? Anyways, two castings. Zoe, uh, Zoe Kravitz just eating up all the nerd roles. Fantastic Beasts, a Divergent, and now uh, the Batman. She's going to be playing uh, Catwoman, and I don't. It's it's a casting new casting, so cool. Don't know anything about this movie. Don't really care about this movie until it's out, and people are even either saying, "Hey, it's really fun, really good, go check it out." Uh, that's how I'm going to be about this movie. I think from now on. Well, from what I heard, it's supposed to be Long Halloween meets Arkham City. Where Batman is on the hunt for some, you know, uh, a criminal trying to solve a crime and is going through and having to interact with all of his rogue gallery kind of a thing to help solve it. Hmm. Might be fun. I mean, that sounds promising. I don't... Yeah. I, I just... I don't want to say I feel burned by DC, but they haven't really done anything... That's got me excited. I mean, I really enjoyed Shazam, and I liked Wonder Woman, but outside of that, I mean, I still haven't seen Justice League or Suicide Squad or um, Aquaman, so I don't know. I'll get around to this one when I get around to it. I mean, Paul, you and I were talking a little bit earlier, too. Like, I have no draw to go see Joker, either. None. Yeah, it's just not my movie. But a movie I will be seeing is the upcoming Dwayne The Rock Johnson or can we cut out the rock yet? I mean, he's has he oh, made. Do we say Paul Dano was cast as the Riddler? Oh no. Who? <laughs> well, you said two casting news. Paul Dano. I did. Yeah, uh, I completely forgot. About I'm it. like Lady Gaga right now and asking about Ninja because I don't know who Paul Dano is. He's a guy. He's a. He <laughs> is a guy. You're, you're you're really good at that. Uh, was there anything? I just heard you go, hey, and I didn't hear you say anything else. Oh, I thought no, I, I thought I said and, but maybe I said hey. Oh. Uh, Paul Dano's in Little Miss Sunshine. There will be blood. Twelve years, twelve years a slave. Uh, Okaja, War and Peace, Swiss Army Man. If you saw him, you'd know who he is. Prisoners, Looper. Oh, he was in Looper. That's the first movie. Paul that loves That's the first movie that you mentioned. That I'm like, oh, I've seen that movie. Cool. Um, but he's a well, he was he, he was also in Cowboys and Aliens. Oh yeah. So he was in Looper. <laughs> so, all right. So he's the Riddler. 
Jonah Hill was going to play him, I thought, was going to be play the Riddler. Uh, Jonah Hill is asking for more money than the guy who's playing Batman. Ah. So, so we get Paul Dano instead of Jonah Hill. Cool. Jonah Hill knows how to play Moneyball. That's all. That's what, that's what I know. He also knows how to just play the kid in all of Judd Apatow movies. Mm-hmm. Which is basically just him being Jonah Hill. He does it well. Can you say he originated the role? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So uh, that was an epic adventure down the river of casting news. Yeah, you're talking about you're talking about how the Rock's playing Popeye, right? Yeah. He just is he just like Dwayne Johnson now? Has he made that jump though? Like. I, think I feel he's, like he's. I think he's still been around long enough. People I think still call he him the Rock. A, I think he likes the brand recognition and the brand ownership of the Rock. Well, someone else that loves the Rands is Disney, and we got the actual first trailer for the Jungle Cruise movie starring Mr. Dwayne Johnson uh, and Emily Blunt, and it, this looks a lot of fun. Very reminiscent of uh, the Mummy, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and the Mummy, which again I. I really enjoy. Uh, also, in this, we get uh, Paul Giamatti, too, so why not? I watched the <laughs> honest trailer for The Mummy last night, because I'm like, you know what? That is a fun movie. I'll watch the trailer for that again. Not the movie, just the no, trailer. Just the honest trailer from uh, Screen Junkies. It was fun. Yeah, I I think this looks like it'll be just a fun movie. I don't remember when it's coming out. I mean peruse real quick uh, july 24th but it's been bounced around quite a bit like this movie's been in the can like it's been shot and ready to go for a while right like and they just keep on moving the release date it seems well it's been something that they've been working on i think a lot of it was pre-production stuff, i think I there think was a they... lot of pre-production then they were making it and then post-production and then when they finished it they had this time period slotted okay yeah, I don't think they pushed it back. That only happens with um, X-Men movies. Um, so the movie actually started being filmed in Hawaii around May 2018. 2018, mm. not 2018. That's in the future. That hasn't uh, happened I'm, yet. I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, it's 20. It's 2018. 18. Uh, filming then wrapped in September 2018. So. 18. 18. So yeah, it's not too far out. Yeah. Oh. I think it'll be a really fun movie. I hope it... The Jungle Cruise is uh, one of my favorite rides at Disney. It really is. Agreed. I love the puns. Uh, I'm surprised how popular it is. I'm always I'm always surprised at how long of a line there is. Because, Chris, when you and I were there uh, over seven years ago now, uh, my first time in Disney World, we got right on. Like it was like, yeah. And I'm like, this is a great ride. Why isn't everybody else riding this? And then the very next time we were down there, it was like an hour wait. And I'm like, why it's, is everybody waiting for this ride? I, mean, I thought it was only Disney, me. <laughs> oh, it's a Disney classic. Like, people love it. I mean, there's a great nostalgia for it. Um, that's why we're getting the Jungle Cruise movie. It's just, it depends on the days you go, man. Like, examples even. Like, the parks haven't been too busy at all recently. I went on the brand new Millennium Falcon ride three weeks ago. It only had a 40-minute wait. Like it is what it is. Like Right now, the 
parks are pretty slow. It's looking like it will pick up around holiday time, but that's pretty pretty standard. But then I think by the time you guys come down in February, you'll be back in that lull period. So you'll be able to go on something like the Jungle Cruise with maybe like a 10, 15 minute wait. Yes. But it, it's, it's a great fun ride. A lot of it is dependent on the skipper that you have. If you have someone that's able to deliver the jokes and they kind of go off script a little bit more i think you'll have a better experience i've fallen in love with every skipper that i've ever uh been on the boat with so can you even the one that had a mustache yep <laughs> vacation paul uh the, one of the last times i went on it was a really good experience because the person delivering everything was so deadpan but that's how they were playing it up it was just uh, over over there, if you look, you'll see the Jungle Book. Jungle Cruise. Because after every single bad joke, he would just be like, Jungle Cruise. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. A lot of people, I think it's just going over their heads if they're not familiar with you know, the Jungle Cruise brand and just mm-hmm. it's supposed to be cheesy tourist trap puns. Mm-hmm. I loved it, though. And I like the trailer because it looks like he... Dwayne the Rock Johnson is set up to make the Jungle Cruise like he's got all these machinations and everything to go around and oh you've seen he's, it wow he's giving them the Jungle Cruise tour they it, even uh, see the backside of water yeah I was just gonna say so it looks good it looks fun Emily Blunt was wonderful she's a pure delight I'm, I'm very excited she, to see this she's a pure delight just or a pure to light as in up here, where you get on a boat. Uh-huh. It, uh, okay. And Sorry. No, yeah, that didn't it, work. It was it's one step too far. All right, so uh, that was a long walk off of Short Plank, but uh, what's next on the news? Any other news we're talking about? Uh, the only other story that I have well, to um, announce that Netflix will be adapting the Jeff Smith and uh, written and drawn Bone comic book as an animated series. Bone's absolutely fantastic. It's great all-ages action-adventure, a little bit of fun fantasy in there. I'm super looking forward to this if they're able to replicate that art style in like a 3D manner, because um, everything next Netflix does kind of has that CG look to it. I really want this to do well. I want this to see uh, succeed Especially because Netflix is going to be losing a ton of content come November with everything making the jump over to Disney+. Plus. Well, that's why they're also going to have the He-Man movie. The Kevin Smith He-Man movie. (laughs) The smoke coming out of Grayskull is totally different. I don't know. It's going to be Jay and Silent Bob like, what it is! Yeah. And did you see see that he's planning on making uh, Clerks 4? Well, I think I, I could be wrong. This might be something that he always wanted to do, but he had some sort of falling out with uh, uh, Andrew Anderson, Anderson, who played who played Randall. But then he came back around, and now he's finally going to be doing the story. Which part of me is like, cool, I want to see that. But then also part of me is like, no, I don't need to see this. I mean, did you hear what there, the the plot was? There's a Clerks three. Uh, did we see it together? Yeah, where it's um, it, Randall's has a heart attack and then comes out of it being like, oh my gosh, I've wasted my life. Hey, I should make a movie about 
my yeah. time as a as a clerk. Yeah. Uh, it's just meta. Oh, Alright, yeah. That's something. Uh, but then after that, the only other story I have is Fox, Disney, Marvel, Apple, and Amazon are all coming under fire in a lawsuit from the most bizarre of places. Uh, when you get a list like that together, it, it it reminds me of one thing, and that is, let's hope somebody settles. It's Linda the Policewoman. Um, this was a Soviet-era TV show about a woman breaking gender norms. I don't know, I never saw it. Nobody ever saw it or heard of it until this lawsuit came out. Uh, but supposedly the composer of the theme song passed away, left all the rights to his music to someone else, and then this person became aware of the 1990s X-Men cartoon, which has a strikingly similar theme song. And a lot of times in situations where you're like, oh, someone's saying that another composer or band ripped off their music, here, listen, do you hear the, do you hear the similarity? You can kind of get a little bit of it, and it definitely has it. If you were to play that clip for me, and I did not know about this lawsuit until just this minute, <laughs> I would have said, oh, who's that 12-year-old playing the xylophone? Yeah. The X-Men theme music. Yeah, it would have been like, oh, that would have been the $1.99 ringtone I downloaded on my own flip phone that said, oh, X-Men theme song. Oh, and after I heard it, I was like, oh, that's that's not it. And I would have deleted it. Sad that I had paid the, the $1.99 you're, for it. Well, you're just like, oh, that's a, a sidekick. That, that's a cool Calypso that. version of the song. So oh, I, nice. I think, uh, I think it's there, but it's 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 very similar, but at the same time, it's different it, enough. And I don't know if it's just like the instrumentation of it that I I think they could it, probably get away with it. As lawsuits go, I say this is much closer to MC ha- MC Hammer and Under Pressure than no. than I need a wanna, drug. Do you want to do you want to pick a different? You want to pick somebody oh, else uh, that ends with an ice? Vanilla Ice, <laughs> Vanilla Ice. Sorry, not MC Hammer. Vanilla Ice and the. Uh, under pressure versus I need a new drug. Huey Lewis in the news and Ghostbusters theme. I think this is a lot closer to the Vanilla Ice side of the spectrum. It seems like a direct ripoff. Well, okay, but Vanilla Ice says they go dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah, and this under is... pressure just goes dun 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 dun. dun. It's different. It's completely different. Yeah. That's did you I'm ever saying. see? Did you see when he was on the stand and he did that? In court, oh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I lo- completely why I love that. It's, See, that's what made VH1. It, without <laughs> that, nobody would have cared. Like VH1 <laughs> wouldn't be around. Like it was that because behind the music, and that was the one. I, it's it's very close, and I, I I could see a judge going either way on this, but ultimately, I mean, it's so far after the fact. I don't. I don't, I don't even know what the statute know. of limitations yeah. like is on something like that. Because when did the X Men cartoon come out? Like, 90 t- 92? I was going to say probably somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, yeah. It, granted, it's closer from when 
the Linda the Policewoman show aired to when the X-Men cartoon came out. Because, yeah. Ooh, the first episode date. October 31st, 1992 for X-Men. Um, it ran through September 20th, 1997. So we're still far enough away from when the series actually aired and ended. At this point, I was like, well... Well, did it have... Well, also, uh, like, the composer... ...in his area? And also, remember, the Japanese uh, intro was completely different. So, in other territories, the X-Men theme song was different. So maybe that That's... composer or that person didn't realize that, hey, in the States, in North America, in Region 1, or whatever... They've, region they've stolen my music. Yeah. Because they might have been but, listening to the dope-ass Japanese intro this whole time. I've never even heard the Japanese one. But it's, I, it's it's dope. <laughs> better than the American one? I can hardly believe that. Cause uh, the, seriously, no, the X-Men theme song, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme song, and then all the Disney Afternoon themes are like some of the best cartoon themes of all time. I, I'm sorry, I'm just... Uh, it's so good. Well, I'm not going to play it because I know it won't record. But I, can, yeah. but on the break, if yeah, we, we take a we break, can, well, we can look it up. Look it up later. <laughs> um, hey, everyone listening at home, do the same thing. Check it out. If you're driving, let's do it whenever you get where you're going. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, the other thing too is like Saban. Saban hired like his best friend, who was like kind of a composer to write, like, the theme song for that. So he got paid, like, a lot of money. So, and then Saban, too, is also, like, a European producer. So they might have known what they were... I I wouldn't put it past them that they knew what they were doing. It is possible. I'm looking, um... Because done by Ron Wasserman. Paul, this is the Japanese version? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a super cool opening. Yeah. It's hella dope. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, I can. And you would be very depressed when you start watching the actual animated series and you're like, oh, that's this, nothing this like, like this it. intro. That's. That scene. That's. It's really cool. I mean, you're, you're you have the them actual... just like. They're just blowing up and killing the brood. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. And it's the brood, and the brood aren't introduced until like way later in the series. <laughs> yeah, they have cable in there. He's sh- firing like two machine guns in his hand. Yeah, and then you watch the actual series after that intro, and you're like, "What's all those pencil lines that aren't inked? <laughs> like, what's happening?" Anyway, um, but yeah, this composer Ron Wasserman, he's still active. Like, he's got three shows that have. St- started working in the past uh, or two shows and one video game that he's done the music for since 2017 like he's been active this entire time I mean he also did the American Dragon Ball Z theme song so I mean that's it kind of his wheelhouse though I don't know interesting but yeah something to think about uh talking about thinking I got to think about what book I'm going to read next week. Well, you're thinking about it. The book I'm looking forward to coming out. What day is it, John? Uh, the 23rd of October, 2019. Let's get ready to read. 
That's the day. Uh, from Marvel Comics, I'm looking forward to Marauders number one. Uh, we're getting a new age of the X-Men. And we have, like, a mutant pirate crew around the waters of uh, Krakoa, led by Emma Frost, Pyro, Bishop, and Iceman. Uh, Kitty Pride's also on the crew. I don't know. It's weird. It's X-Men on a boat. We'll see. I'm going in with low expectations. But yeah. Well, the interaction between Jonathan Hickman, isn't it? No, this is uh, written by Jerry Duggan and art by Matteo Loli. Hickman's just doing the Powers of X and Age of X? Uh, He's doing Age of X and uh, I think it's just X-Men? He's doing two of the X-Men books and then everybody else is doing, you know, all the other ones spinning out of it. It's by somebody else. Um, Powers of X, X, that's what they're called. Well, those are done. Those were the miniseries. And now uh, it's like, I'm forgetting all the series that are spinning out of that, but I think Hickman's doing either one or two of them. I know there's an Excalibur style book coming out soon as well. It's well, I, I bought all the books. I need to catch up on reading them. And uh, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. No, nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. It's fine. Oh, he's doing he's doing X-Force and X-Men. Sorry, oh, I, just, X-Force. I looked it up while we were trying to figure it out. Oh, I bet. No uh, worries. That's, yeah, that's why but, we do the show. So we can but Marauders it. might be interesting because Emma Frost and Kitty Pride. I, I enjoy those two characters butting heads. Yeah. Because they are kind of polar opposites. Um, so that'll be interesting at least, but Cable is on the team. Who else is on the team? Uh, Iceman uh, and Bishop? It's, uh, not Cable. It's Bishop, Storm, Iceman, Pyro, Kitty Pride, Emma Frost. Okay. Jerry Duggan is a, he's a fun writer. Like, to me, he seems a little more like, oh, that guy should be writing Deadpool and stuff like that, but I think this could be, you know, the right the right team together for kind of a fun adventure X-Men book. Well, and when I saw the the cover for this book, it reminded me of the Jason Aaron uh, Wolverine and the X-Men kind of just like, Oh, let's take some X-Men and put them on a pirate ship. Cause we kind of had that story when they were looking for Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, it was fun. So, you know, it could work, but Paul, what book are you looking forward to? Talking about remembering books that Jason Aaron wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to King Thor. Why? Because of the very intro of uh, Jason Aaron's run with uh, Aesop Ribic. And look who's doing the art on this book. Aesop Ribic. Uh, going back to the roots of... Uh, and it looks like on the cover of this reprint of issue one. Uh, that's That looks like Gore, the god killer, right? Yeah, it does. Uh, you can check it out because I already bought it. Oh, cool. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to reading that book. Borrowing <laughs> get from John and uh, re- reading it this week because they're issuing a reprint. Because the second one is also coming out this week. John, what are you looking forward to reading? Uh, I am looking forward to Count Crowley, Reluctant Monster Hunter, number one of four, coming from Dark Horse Comics. This is by David Dash Malin. And Lucas Kenter, and this is the story of Jerry Bartman, 
who is a uh, reporter who has been demoted to hosting a nightly creature feature at her small town TV station. But she learns that being the host of this creature feature, showing bad B-movies, um, is more than just hosting the thing, and that she's going to have to keep the creatures of the night at bay. Bum, bum, bum. It seemed fun, and there is really nothing else. And I love horror movies and Halloween, and it's uh, something it looks like something fun to at least check out and read this October. Cool. Hey, John, have you seen the board game that came out recently called Horrified? I have not. No. It's uh, a cooperative game where mm-hmm. uh, I like those. It's basically Monster Squad, the Ooh, board game. One of my favorites. Uh, where you pick a number of uh, different uh, the classic universal monsters to uh, go up against uh, as they try to take over a small town. So you got the uh, Invisible Man, you got Dracula, you got the, the uh, Frankenstein and his bride, um, the creature from the Black Lagoon, and I'm forgetting uh, the mummy. Uh. Uh, and they, uh, they're all invading one small town, and you're trying to you know, get to go around the town, get items to defeat them, and you can, you know, you don't just go up against one of these monsters, you go up against multiple, and as many as you want to go up against, the harder the game is. You it should send like a fun little. You should send this game to my wife and say, this would be a good Christmas present for John. And he'll get it tomorrow, because you guys and Christmas drive me crazy. I already opened three of my Christmas gifts, Paul. I know. It yeah, and if if we played Gloomhaven, we would have used it. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. I have no problem with it. She asked me, yeah. "Do you want your Christmas? I, I buy your Christmas. Do you want them? Sure. Are they fun? Yeah, they are." I also got. Well, she got me. You're opening gifts. Why don't we open a gift for all of the listeners? Oh shoot! Are we going to do our next beer? We always do it after. We always can say yes. We no. always say we always do it. I'm just, at a I'm just time. Biding, I don't know what I'm it is. I'm just biding time because. And now, a dramatic reading from Shazam! Number one, page 13, panel four. We have work to do! And that was a dual reading of Shazam. Number one, page 13, panel four. Step all over my reading. (laughs) Step all over your face when I come to Buffalo next week. Because I have to open my next beer. And by open it, I mean I'm literally opening up the four-pack of it right now. Well, Well, I've already drank most of my next beer, and it comes from the brewery, Mast Landing. And this is Neon Sales. Indian Pale Ale coming to you at 6.3%. And this is a really nice, in the realm of that New England American style IPA. Juicy with a slight little bitter to it. Um, This is their flagship beer, which is really good. It's a really nice... um, it's a really nice beer at a decent price that's just going to be on your beer shelves that you can pick up. It's in the realm of um, Juice Bomb. It sounds like Southern Tears' new, <laughs> new juice. Okay. Have you had that one yet? Is this... 
Yeah. Is this better? Uh, okay. It's way better than that. This is yeah, this is a good beer. Um, yeah, New Juice, I'm sorry. I had that like a year ago when it came out, Chris. I don't know where you've been. Uh, I've been in Florida we've for re- four years. We've reviewed it. A while ago, we, I think we were. Well, when I when checked Paul into was, it, it said none of my friends had had it. Together. None of my friends had had it, so you never checked into it. So I couldn't confirm. Do you know with you how many beers I don't check into? You should check into them. We've had this discussion before. <sighs> Two things: you always check into your beers, and you always record. Always record. Always yes. record. I fail at those rules. I don't even remember what I said earlier. Uh, no, but it's good. I mean, it's in the realm. It's not as good as Juice Bomb for the price point, but it's a good beer just to be on your shelves. I like it. Mass Landing. They also have a pour, uh, stout, uh, chocolate stout out that's like got uh, notes of peanut butter to it. Haven't had it. Just got it in this week, yesterday. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Paul, you ready to go, or do you need a moment? No, you can go, Chris. Um, well, John, I'm actually drinking a beer that might be up your alley. And I say that as a Big Lebowski reference, because I'm drinking Left Hand Brewing Company's White oh. Russian Nitro. Ooh. I got a case of that in. and it's One case? S- one, only one case, and it sold out before I was able to buy it. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Okay, well, I picked up a four-pack of this from my local beer store today. Um, they're big cans. What is it, like 13 ounces, whatever? 16 um, ounces. 16 ounces? Thank you. Um, I, I'll bring I'll bring them when I come down. Or up. Um, it's not bad. It's a white stout. I've only had one other white stout before, and that was the Dragon's Milk White Stout from New Holland Brewing Company. And I was not impressed by it at all. Um, I had it actually at the brewery last time I was up in Michigan. I've had it again since then just to see if it was any different can versus on tap. Wasn't impressed by either one of them. Uh, this is pretty good, though. It's a, They're white Russian. It's a white stout brewed with coffee and vanilla. It's good. Um, I'm drinking at room temperature. I think it would be good kind of chilled a little bit more, but yeah, not bad. It's got a nice, nice little cocoa on it. You get some vanilla on the back end there. Uh, yeah, I think this could be closest um, associated with something like one of those Starbucks double shot drinks. Okay. It kind of tastes like one of those if you just go to like, your local gas station and oh. pull one of those cans out. Like this, this is, I'm trying to. Uh, 20 IBUs, John. Uh, oh, 8.9% wow. ABV, though. Ooh. Hey Paul, what was your favorite uh, white stout that you had? I I don't remember. What? Stony Joe. Oh, Stony Joe, yeah, that is a good white stout. I do enjoy that. We don't. Nobody carries it up here anymore. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Jeez. No one. You, you didn't buy enough of it, Paul. Well, I don't buy enough beer overall, and uh, you know this I, because I'm always chasing the new, John. I'm always chasing the new. And this is uh That's why you had a flower power that you didn't even <laughs> it know. It was a different flower power. He didn't power, know though. that. He didn't know that. It was in a different container. So yeah, that's the new. <laughs> <laughs> and this is new in the seventh se- number seven. This is the seventh one of these, so it's new. 
The newest or newer. <laughs> this is from Big Ditch. This is Dart. Uh, it's their, uh, the seventh in the lock series, IPA series. Um, again, it's. I'm at the point with these IPAs where I'm like, okay, they're good. Are they better? Are they worse? I, I really can't tell anymore. Paul, did you buy that at Consumers? No. Where did you get this beer? Uh, Wigman's McKinley. They still had it? Mm-hmm. In the refrigerated that's, section. It's, that's it's from before Labor Day. Okay. Well, it's old as it's old. It's old shit I, you got right there. Well, I'm chasing the new John. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> and I can't. And I can't keep up. I'm chasing the new. I'm winded over here. My legs have given out. <laughs> And I'm falling behind. You're doing a, you're not even you're you're not even doing he's, a brisk walk. He's chasing the new, settling for the old. Yep. Uh so what can I say? This is alright. It's it's still got a good hop flavor overall. Nice round. It's got that rounded <laughs> hop flavor. It's not over it's got a little bit of that, that grapefruity pith. Um Yeah, you should have had it a month and like a like two months ago. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. Okay, cool. Well, I got three more cans of this after this, so, uh, you know, there it is. It's not bad. Oof. I'm not hating it, but I don't really love it either. It's just, uh, so if you guys find it on the shelves anywhere, apparently don't buy it. It's sold. No. It's old. John knew. I didn't know. I, I, well, you know. It was in, it was stocked with the... I quote-unquote work in the industry... So why was it stocked with the new stu- in this little cooler that's uh, like of I, all new stuff? Like it's in that section well, of all. Well, new. One, I'll talk to Bill and say, "Hey, Bill, what the fuck? Why do you got some old shit on your shelves?" Yeah, do that. I will. I can't believe he still got Bill. That. I heard on a podcast that this was new, but then <laughs> from before Labor Day, Bill, what the shit? I'm so glad there's tissues in this room because I just blew snot out my nose. So, uh, oh my! Hmm. We got a movie to review, guys. We do. But with that, we're going to head into our main topic, which, as we said at the beginning of the show, is the ninth part of our ongoing Great Marvel Movie Retrospective. We're we're going back and looking at all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies as they've released. Uh, yes, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, no matter what Martin Scorsese thinks. Zing! You got it! <laughs> You did it. Topical. You did it. We made it happen, guys. We got him. Uh, But yeah, this is Captain America, The Winter Soldier from 2014. Hard to believe this movie came out that long ago. And I think part of that reasoning is because this is one of the Marvel Cinematic movies I go back to quite often. It's no longer on Netflix, so you gotta own it until at least uh, November 12th. But, man, it is... On a heavy rotation for me, when I want to sit down and watch just a great Marvel movie, this is the one that I pop in my Blu-ray player. Um, I also own it in 3D, though I've never watched it in 3D. It's just so. Are you're telling us we're watching it in 3D when Chris is there, right? Do you have enough I, glasses for all of us? I only have two pairs, so no, we're not. Chris, we, you and I are going to have to share. <laughs> I get I get the red lens. You get the blue lens. I, I, you know I got a Samsung. 
a television and it's that active view, active shutter 3D, which is so annoying because you got to put batteries into the actual uh, glasses. It's just... And the glasses are more expensive instead of uh, a lot of the other brands. Well, anyways, it doesn't Listen, matter. I got several pair of uh, 3D glasses I stole from Regal. Uh, those work? No. Oh. And that's why... What about it's the glasses I got when I went to 4th of July fireworks? No. Those work. What about the glasses I have from coloring books when I was a little kid? No. But you know what does work? <laughs> Whoa, the whistles are jumping out at me. It's Nick's Fury's plan. Nick's Furious plans always work, just like we see in this movie. That's right. It's uh, Captain America being defrosted for a while, and uh, he's just kind of questioning his spot in the world. You know, he's not sure where he fits anymore. And he's doing these missions for S.H.I.E.L.D., and he's coming to question whether or not S.H.I.E.L.D. is the right place to be. And, uh, And also Nick Fury is also questioning... Hey, are there things that are happening around in Shield that I'm not aware of? And he sets all these machinations in motion, and uh, we get to learn a deep and dark secret. Shield has been infiltrated by Hydra. What? All in this movie, guys. It's so I good. thought that Which... you what responded to yourself. He oh he definitely did. <laughs> uh, you know who I felt like right at that moment. Winston from uh, New Girl. I was gonna, I, I really. You said Winston, and I was gonna. He said from, and I was gonna say Churchill. <laughs> I would have gone Zedmar before Churchill. But uh, the thing I really like about it, like I started watching this movie today. I went on break at work. I was able to put it on and watch it, and then on my lunch break, I watched a little bit more, and I didn't get to. F- watch any more after that but what i really love about this movie is is how it starts with him running but with him running and then him making what is going to be a friend for the rest of his series and the fact that we know where it's going to end and where he ends up handing his mantle over to that that character with with the falcon but it also is an interesting way of how those two guys become friends. And I don't know if, as an adult, it's it's harder to make people who are new friends who will, who are people who you think are going to be your friends for a long time. And uh, a friend, a friend for life, a friend for life. You know, and, and I could, I can't say that Chris and I have known each other for twenty five years. Paul, you and I have known each other for 19 years. You know, it's like th- those are friendships that have, uh, are decades and almost decades old. I appreciate that you do the math. Yeah, well, <laughs> Paul, I met you. I met you my my first year uh, uh, 19 years ago. I have a I have a bad. Oh yeah, that. He just got... <laughs> he just looked down and be like, oh, I've known well, Paul yeah, that long. Cause, yeah, because I wear my name tag uh, even at home. <laughs> Uh, but like I I just made I made really good friends with uh Max who's been on a on a not ep- a couple not episodes but he's 11 years younger than me but we became friends almost instantly when he walked through uh the double doors out of the back room and I was like oh Star Labs like 
I love Flash. Like, who's your favorite Flash? And usually when you say that, people are always like, Barry, Barry Allen, because he's on the TV show. But he was like, fucking Wally West. Like, looks at I mean, that's the right and answer. And he looks at me like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, whoa, 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 guy. Don't act so... Wally West is my favorite, but I've been reading Wally West longer than you. Don't, don't give me that. Don't give me that garbage. What's the, is it sad and that I'm always like from anywhere because... Jay Garrick? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? But if you said Jay Garrick to Max, he'd respect that. Yeah. Uh, You're rich. But it was, you know, I said, well, hey, man, that's, that's my favorite Flash, too. And talked, you know, I talked to him. And then, like, the next day at work, he came up and was like, hey, you want to go on lunch? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then... It was just like one of those instant friendships. It was one of those things like, Chris, when you and I met, and I think you said something, or I said something, and one of us made a joke, and we looked at each other, and it was like, all right, we're 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 best friends now. You know, it was just like... Yeah, just one- which is weird because we hadn't met each other, but we had a friend in common before with um, other Chris. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's weird because Chris became my friend the first year we were in middle school, but I hadn't met you until, like, the next year. So I don't know how our paths hadn't crossed before right? that. Well, you know what? I said... I, as soon as we became friends, like, Chris went out the door. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't even I don't even talk Listen, to that dude anymore. I can only have one friend named Chris. <laughs> and you, you, you chose wisely. Of course I did. Um, no, it was, one of, it was one of those things, like, I ended up sitting at your lunch table... Because of the guy I was in computer class with, who I called Greg Poops, um, I sat at your lunch table and I sat next to you. And you said it, one of us said something, and the other person made a a joke right after it, and it was just like, okay, we're best friends. And that that happens. Friends can come from anywhere, whether it's lunch tables, jobs, or someone lapping you around the reflecting pool at the. Lincoln Memorial, there's that moment when they introduce each other, like, well, introduce themselves to each other, where, you know, Chris Evans is like, Steve Rogers and Anthony Mackie's Falcon's like, yeah, I got that. Like, he's like, I I figured that out on my own. Yeah, I know who you are. It, it's such a great opening, and it's so just down to earth to what we jump into, where he is doing one of these S.H.I.E.L.D. missions, where it throws them into that crisis. We're like, well, no, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s motives aren't always what they say they are. They don't always align with what I'm doing. Like, what else is happening that I don't know about? That opens us up to this bigger Project Insight, led by Nick Fury, shadow-led by the World Security Council, headed by one of Paul's favorites, Robert Redford, who's secretly Hydra. Um... So much of this movie draws from everything that we got before, but then does set up everything. And in an interview, Anthony Mackie was even like, no, this is basically Avengers 1.5, because this draws from so much stuff that came before, but then sets up what we're going to be seeing in something like Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Not just even with the characters, but then literally the post credit scene leads directly into it. This is... Just a great movie on its own, though. I, I, watching the beginning of this movie, and then thinking about it and everything, I was like, man, it's, it is up there. This is like to me when the Marvel movies really turn that corner, 
Like I liked a lot. I liked all the movies. That some of them I liked a little, you know, Last Dark World and those ones. But this is when I was like, oh man, they did a spy genre Captain America movie. Like they did something like bigger and bolder and more than just a comp. Like it felt more than just a comic book movie that we've had in the past with with all those comic book movies going back to the nineties. Like it went a little bit bigger with everything. Mm-hmm. And I think and that's also, oh. go no go ahead, Paul. Oh, and also it did the tie ins without being the uh, uh Iron Man two just like uh the story there you're watching doesn't really matter. We're we're gonna lynch we're gonna shoehorn him in here the uh the big crossover like with uh Nick Fury showing up and all that. I, I feel like the crossover stuff adds to the story versus takes me out of the story. Well I think at this point, I mean we're what, five no. Yeah, almost like five years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point. Where it's not surprising. It's not a big deal to see Nick Fury on the screen because yeah, we have Steve Rogers back. Captain America's working directly with Shield. Mm-hmm. He's getting his orders directly from Nick Fury. So when he walks into that office and is like, "Dick, what the hell?" It's like, no, like he's talking to the big boss himself. Like he has access to that. Like we know Nick Fury's in this world. Yeah, they're going to have day to day interactions. Mm-hmm. I, you guys, didn't appreciate Iron Man two the same way I did. I don't think anybody does. We, <laughs> but the fact that like we can get. Black Widow, uh, portrayed by Scarlett Johansson again, working alongside Captain America, and it's just like, oh, no, this is another day at work at them. Like, they're doing their thing, they're having their small talk in the leading up to and in the midst of it. They're work buddies at this point. Mm-hmm. And I, I love their interaction between each other. It's it's a road movie of, mm-hmm. it's Bing Crosby and uh, Bob Hope. I don't know who went on road movies. I don't watch those that old stuff. Uh, I'm chasing the new stuff. And, <laughs> and it's Black Widow and uh, and Captain America. You know, the odd couple. You know, one that's like I got to be honest. I got to tell the truth. I got to be uh, forthright, and I got to do the right thing. And she's like, I got to manipulate the situation. I got to gain the upper hand, and I got to get the job done. And well, they're thrown together. Beyond that, because because that's how she is. But then at the same time, she's talking to Stephen. She's like, "Well, what do you me want to me to be?" And he's like, so "No, I want I want you to be a friend. I want you to be Natasha." Oh, like, so good. But she's a super spy. Uh, so that whole thing is like, no, I don't want you to be anything other than yourself. And she doesn't know how to be anything else. She doesn't know who she is anymore, and he's trying to get her to be back in that place because he just wants a friend, and she's like, you're in the wrong business. Ah, oh, so good! What I, it's, what I, what I really, it's really good. like, I didn't know this till just now when we did this, but, like, the writing team that wrote this movie wrote all of the Chronicle of Narnia movies, uh, You Kill Me with Ben Kingsley, First Avenger... Thor the Dark World, mm-hmm. Pain and Gain, and then Winter Soldier, this is Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Civil War, 
they they're the co-creators for the Agent Carter show and then Infinity War and Endgame. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, well, you got <laughs> you got some twists and turns there, guys. Like, well, and also like they have some twists and turns, but to kind of jump ahead to when we talk about Endgame, they do go back to Thor: The Dark World, and they kind of give that weight and gravity. Like it doesn't make that movie any better, but they can kind of pay homage and draw enough from it that you're like, okay, well, you know what? Maybe it's not as bad as I remember it being. It, it is. You know it, what's a great homage we, scene, We have... Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. No, I was going to say, we have seven years of them growing and developing and working with these characters and this universe that they can then kind of go back and retroactively like fix it. You know what um, you don't need to fix is when Captain America shield is broken. He's standing up to Thanos all alone, and he's getting back up because he can do this all day. He can do this all day. He, he suddenly knows. hears something over the comm in his little earpiece. And what is it? Just a phrase. Two two words or three words on your left. So Such a great. <laughs> So you said they're they're really good at remembering what they've already written. Yeah, so and I just say like, but then also all the, same point too. All the Chronicle like, of Narnia movies, I think, are well are good adaptations of those books. Oh, I think the best that you can adapt those books. Yeah, because those books, like, even to go back to and reread them as an adult, you're like, yeah, these are definitely kids' books, but they not Harry Potter style kids' books where you can kind of see the groundwork laid out. They're straight up just kids' books. You're like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read this in 45 minutes. And it's just, it's for kids. Like, those movies are solid. Like, I read all the books growing up. I own all the movies. I could go back and watch those movies and enjoy them. I would not go back and reread those books, though. But also worth noting for uh, Winter Soldier here. We also get Anthony and Joe Russo coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe directing this movie. And they really set the tone and the standard for the Marvel Cinematic Universe to come because they've consistently and constantly come back and they've delivered some of the biggest movies that the Marvel Universe has had. And this is all on the back of them working on the sitcom community, which who would have... Who would have thunk? Community Ooh. and um, and oh my gosh, I'm blanking here. Arrested Development. Arrested Development. Like they're yeah. comedic TV directors, you know. Like that's really more what they're kind. They were known for before that. Well, and uh, the community touchstone is uh, there's the actor. I don't know his name. Uh, Danny Putty. But he's, Putty, he's Putty. the one that answers the door in, in this movie. He opens the door and oh, there's the team coming in to take over S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, do they have the elevator or the uh, stair? stair uh... Not in this one, but it's in Civil, um, War. Civil War. Yeah. yeah but, I mean, it's like, it. so they did like a couple like goofy, like just movies Lucky, the Lucky TV series, Lax TV series, Arrested Development. They directed You, Me, and Dupree, which <laughs> I don't think I could finish that movie. 
What about Brian? I forgot about that movie until you just mentioned it. Uh, car. I, I never saw it, but Carpoolers, which wasn't too bad, and that was with the fat kid from Stand by Me. Wait, wasn't Carpoolers uh, the guy Jerry O'Connell? No, Jerry. No, Jerry O'Connell was in it. Um, a short called Car Fuckers. They did an episode of Running Wild with um, what's his name? Who, uh, Will Arnett, which actually was I've a pretty good series. Else. Happy Endings, Community, Animal Practice, which I think was like a... Wasn't that a Cartoon Net- Network TV sheer- series? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it's the uh, television series that uh, at the very end of Forgiving Sarah Marshall... Sarah Marshall. Yeah, that's exactly where yeah. I go to. Where it's like she's like the werewolf. No, she can communicate with no, the animals. Can, yeah, she communicates with animals. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. It's no, the cold case. No animal practice. It was. Um, I'm pretty sure animal it was on, instincts like, was Chris. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, I'm so glad you were on my level on that. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Cartoon Network thing where it was like a a hospital drama, and it was made to be like a big drama, but they were just like at an animal hospital. Um, no, that's like one, not an animal. One planet. of the doctors, yeah, a... one of the doctors was like a monkey and stuff. Oh, like no, it's I mean, a, it's a funny okay. show. I remember watching a couple episodes and then it is Captain America, civil war, the Avengers. And, um, you know, and then they got stuff in the pipeworks. So how amazing week. is it that Kevin Feige is able to, Go through that list yeah. that you just said, John. I know, right? And then be like, you guys, I know what you need. It's like a bazillion dollars and all this great talent. No, no, no. no. What, he just, sa- what, what he said was, I need to make all the money in the world. Are you guys good for doing that? You're good? Okay, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and that's, Thank But you. that's the thing, too, because um, in an interview recently, James Gunn of upcoming Suicide Squad and Guardians of the Galaxy fame was asked, like, so do you approach Marvel with your pitch for these characters or does Marvel come to you? And Marvel will come to you and say, like, hey, here's what we have in mind. Here's what we want to do. Can you do this? So the fact that Marvel can go to these guys and be like, so yeah, uh, Dr. Tobias Fumke, how can you roll that into political thriller secret threats underneath the surface, Captain America movie, go. That's fantastic that they can do that. And, I mean, we're recording this October 17th, 2019. There's been some missteps, but Marvel hasn't had a complete miss. Like, they've got this on lock. Like, they figured it out. That's crazy. you're on, they figured it out. (laughs) Thor 2. Ugh. But it, again, even now, like, in retrospect, uh, there was an interview with Christopher Eccleston who was like, yeah, you know what? If they came back to me and asked me to come back, I would. Like, I've learned my lesson. Like, I've stepped forward. And Mm -hmm. even back when we recorded the episode about Thor the Dark World, he was like, nope, I'm done. Fuck all that noise. I had no idea what I was in for. 
they're changing the way movies are made. Like even the people that were involved in those earlier years are coming back to be like, well, no, like growing pains. Chris, I want to circle back on that. Yeah, go ahead. Because Christopher Christopher Eccleston just said he would go back to Marvel after he seeing did. how big of a fan base you know and how great it is, and he won't go back to Doctor Who. Yeah, but there was some like, real there was some real bad blood. Is, is there okay? Maybe okay. So there's more Doctor Who story that I'm not aware of because I'm like, dude, he didn't go back to be the. There war was doctor? stuff like when the, he the day as a doctor. One of the reasons he didn't want to go do season like there there's uh, there's stuff there. Like he did it as a favor. He there's was only going to do the fun season, and then when he was going to leave, they did they pulled some shit yeah. to try to get him to stay. Like they uh, there was a a lot of stuff there that made him not want to do it. It was bad. So, but so this was at a um, at New York Comic Con, Christopher Eccleston, and I'm like reading direct oh, quotes awesome. from it. Um, he like when asked about it, he said, "I was in makeup for six seven hours every day. They didn't tell me that up front, so I wasn't pleased about that. There's a lack of humor in the film, so I felt, shall we move on?" And then adds. Uh, I understand that some people love that particular film, and some pe- you actually like Malekith the Naughty Elf. So that's my only experience within it. But I know that people love the film, and I accept that, and I'm careful about it. I'm so diplomatic these days. Okay, well, that's a lot different than. Me. And then, uh, but oh. no, I'm sorry. I just continue to scroll on, and then he says, um, and then again, if the guy who wrote the third. I do that. Oh, so basically, like <laughs> Taika Waititi comes in and is like, "Hey, I have an so idea the exact reason why Gene Foster would like, come back, oh, okay. aka uh, Natalie Portman." Well, I mean, also like Malekith had yeah, nothing to do that. in that. Yeah, if if yeah, he was there. If just they gave like, Christopher, garbage Christopher Eccleston enough no, room no, to chew the me, scenery me. and that, be a bad guy. I think he would be great at it. And, I mean, even if you just think about Paul, like, The Wild Hunt, the second volume of Jason Aaron's run, like, he's, he's phenomenal. Like, Uh, it's a phenomenal villain. And then when he comes back after Unworthy Thor, and he takes his arm off in that sub, like, it's, again, it's like, oh, man, what a good, what a good bad guy. And then the fact that you have this guy in this prosthetic makeup that's not having fun. And we're not supposed to be talking about just, the Dark World again. And he's just like, bop, bop, be bop, 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 about the great bop, movie. Bop, 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 bop. Go ahead. You know, like... Yeah. yeah. But can we get back to talking about a good movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so much fun. Because um, honestly, guys, it's a road trip movie. That's... Ah, where they're discovering it, it, more it, and more about each other. It's them on the road, and then they're learning more just about Shield, and then that threat of Hydra. Because I did watch part of this today after I got home from work. I spoilers for what happens behind the scenes with me. We do watch all of these movies in the lead up to recording this episode, but sometimes I keep going ahead and continue watching. Just because I'm like, oh, well, I've already watched this one. I might as well watch the next one. So I watched this again recently. It's probably like within the last month and a half. 
continued on. And then I went back today just to watch it again to take my notes for the episode. And there's that moment when uh, Falcon, Black Widow, and Captain America get to the Triskelion, where Cap's giving his speech about, like, hey, we need to do this thing. Hydra's in, involved in everything now. Don't do what you gotta do, because you don't know who to trust. And there's just that, like, moment where um, Frank Grillo comes up as crossbones and pulls the gun on, like, Mr. Radar Technician homeboy dude who doesn't have a name and is like, launching, he's like no, I'm I'm not going to launch it like, Captain America told me not to and then everyone just pulls their guns on each other I've watched this movie countless times over the past, like, five years that moment still gets me where I'm like holy crap, like this is happening, like, they don't even know who to trust, they're just pulling their guns on somebody because someone else pulled their gun on somebody else. You picked your line right there for who you're holding the the gun to. Uh, yeah, yeah, it... yeah. Except for the one guy at the computer. I'm just a guy who types on a computer. Like I don't hold that. Crossbones. He's <laughs> like, I can't. Which we we do get to see him come back again Age of in Ultron. Avengers: Age of Ultron, where he's one of like Fury's handpicked people to mm-hmm. to the hell. And he's like, the lifeboats are away, or they're departing, or they're. They're good. They're they're good. That's just one line. But shout out to that dude who, had, who doesn't even have a name. But like, but man, he has the best one of the best lines. I love that that line. It makes me like put my fist in the air and be like, yeah, I'm with him. He's like, I'm not launching the I'm not launching the Harry Carriers. I can't. Captain's orders. Captain's orders. Ugh. Paul, Paul got up and went to the bathroom as I said oh. all the stuff that he just oh. said. Okay, <laughs> spoilers. I agree with you, Chris. Uh, but, but there's so many like great moments in this after you get that, hey, Hydra's infiltrated shield moment where you have um, Agent Sitwell talking to, I can't remember the senator's yeah. name, but Gary Shandling, where it's like, oh, yeah, I got to go press I gotta go meet this woman. I got to press the flesh. Hail Hydra. That's such just like a oh shit moment because like, yeah, he's been trying to undermine Tony Stark this whole time and it's not just because Tony Stark's an entitled douchebag that has access to a homemade weapon it's well maybe partially because of that but also I think one of the Hydra big things too is any threat I mean you think about way. first avenger faceless faceless villains it's it doesn't feel realistic war cuz they're using laser guns and everything but this feels real this feels like it exists in this time where first Avenger feels like a fan, like a fantasy thing with these, the, the Hydra soldiers and the laser blasters and the yeah. guns that don't look like real guns. If that movie took more place during an actual like world war two, you know? Yeah. But if it was more of just it a world war two epic war movie I think it would have been a better film and when we did this when we do when we did this retrospective I like that movie a hell of a lot more now than I did back then when it came out and those were my complaints then and with this movie and you think about first Avenger it's apples and oranges like man if that was more realistic as this is more realistic it would have been a better film 
and a lot of the scenes, like they shut down those roads for that those highway scenes when they go after uh, when they're trying to get away with Agent Sitwell, and then uh, the Winter Soldier shows up. Like those roads were shut down. That actually happened at that place, and it's not done on a studio in a green screen. And I think the action is just so well done in this movie. Well, a lot of it too. And again, this is something I just read off of IMDb, so I'm not sure how sure like certain it is, but the Russos want to do as much of this as possible, like real world special effects, not using CG just to get that political thrillerness out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's something that comes from, I think, uh, with, oh my goodness, John Favreau, the director of Iron Man one. He's uh, John Favreau, John Favreau with Iron Man. Like he, he wanted the suit to be real. He wanted practical effects. He, he didn't want to do everything green screen. And I think the Russo brothers took that idea and ran with it in this movie. I, you know, it feels like a real place. And I think that's what John was kind of getting at. Like th- that, that overpass scene where all that's happening and the guys are jumping, everybody's jumping down over the overpass. And then the Falcons kind of left up there to kind of be the, to give suppression fire and to cover uh, it's ah uh, so, which we've damn, we've gone this good. whole show so far without really talking about Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier oh, because yeah. it's one of those things that in First Avenger you're like oh that's Bucky he's he's going to come back oh we see and, him fall I mean, from the train like that's that's the beginning of the origins when you actually get him to come in though it's like oh my god this dude's so badass like. There's just that sense of threat every single time you see him on screen. Yeah, it's like, you know, taking a sip of a dark black IPA. The biggest biggest thing that we had up on everyone else is we know that he he comes back as the Winter Soldier. Like, they named the thing Winter Soldier. All of us knew, oh, it's Bucky. But imagine being that person (laughs) who went to go see this movie not knowing that. And then all of a sudden, it's Bucky. Like, it's big. And even that yeah. scene, like, after he first fights Cap, and then they're going to re reformulate his brain, and he's like, that he he knew me. And they're like, yeah, you oh, know, shut the fuck up. Bang. We're going <laughs> to scramble your noodle again, buddy. <laughs> like... <laughs> you know, like, it's that moment, like, you, like, no, they're best friends, you can't do that. And, you know, that even bleeds into then the next movie, where, but even at the end of this movie, like, him save him saving Steve, like, they do this movie so well. And it's, I mean, it's, it's ten times better than First Avenger. And it's, you know so much better than that first Iron Man movie because it just feels like they took all of those those knocks that they've gone making these movies to then say like well we're making this ooh somebody opened a nitro beer uh you know that that was me <laughs> go for so it I'm, I'm drinking a, another white russian spoilers uh, Spoilers, we're not getting any. Uh, how awful is it no, that I, you I have two more cans for you guys? Exactly what you are opening. Uh, 
But it's like they took all really of those things tough. and and figured out how to make these movies more more epic and more grounded. And to the, to me, this is the turning point for Marvel movies. And they haven't really had a bad one from this point on. And for some, you know, some people don't like Iron Man three. Okay, you know, you cannot like Iron Man three, but like, I don't, you know, like this is a great, this is a turning point where they really change things up. And even like Doctor Strange, you know, like uh, there's 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 naysayers, and and Doctor Strange probably won't be high on my list, but it'll be middle of my list. I, I think what this movie really said to me more than the other ones too was the Captain America movies matter. Like this is where they set up the stuff that they're going to be launching for the next like two or three, like the next part of the phase It's going to start in Captain America. And then it kind of continues with Iron Man because it seems to be like they introduce things, Captain America keeps it going, and then Iron Man deals with the fallout, and then they continue on, and then you get a Captain America movie where it's like, pay attention to this, because you're going to need to know what's happening here to see what happens after that. I, I think it's just a really good balance of action, character, and story that they have really nailed at this point. And Paul, you still there, or did you get up? I'm, I'm still here. Uh, okay. I, I do agree. Did you wanna... I do think... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, did you want to jump into your beer, and then we can get on to like the rest the I did want to like, mention something here. Stuff? I think they do yeah. enough in this movie where, honestly, if you skip it and go right into Age of Ultron, like the only thing that you're missing is like, oh, that's weird. So why are we surprised about the, the helicarrier? Yeah. Well, Bucky stuff doesn't even really show up in Age of Ultron. I, I mean, oh, age, sorry, I was thinking Civil War. My bad. Yeah, uh, so, and that's no, the yeah. next like crossover is Age of Ultron. So, uh, but and if you skip Civil War, why would you? But no, yeah, don't, don't. But you kind of see the tension of Captain America and Iron Man right there, like in Age of Ultron. Yeah, like they're kind of you know, hey, anybody that tried to stop a war before it starts is usually the bad guy. I'm paraphrasing uh, because I'm not Captain America. I don't. Do you read that? Do you write this stuff down? Or <laughs> did, you, did you write that down first? Or does it come uh, off the like, top of your head? Such a good movie. And that's the thing. Like I, I really dig Anthony Mackie as the Falcon, and a lot of it's just due to him in the movie because he does provide the, those moments of levity amidst hey, I everything else going on. Just a little slower. <laughs> and then like the other part of it though is in the promotion for this movie it was you know Anthony Mackie doing the night show rounds promoting it and I can't remember if it was on like Jimmy Kimmel or Conan O'Brien where he's there to present the clip. And he's just so gung-ho and excited to be there, like, talking about, like, hey, I'm the Falcon, I'm in Captain America, that literally it's the scene where Falcon's flying around the Project Insight helicarriers, like, dodging the bullet fire, and he's just like, woo, 
Falcon, look at me, look at me go. Like, he's so excited just to, like, see that footage. Like, look at me, I'm a superhero now. Like, it just makes him instantly likable. That as soon as you see Bucky on the screen, you're like, okay, well, they go, he becomes Captain America at some point. Like, that's the logical progression. But the interaction between Falcon and Captain America in these movies, you're like, well, yeah, Bucky and Steve were best friends. They're always going to have that relationship. But right now, Falcon's his best bud. He's his number one. Like, that's his emergency contact if something happens. They're, they're calling Falcon. Okay, well, so before we head into the next part, which is going to be the connections to other Marvel movies and all of our cameo stuff, do you guys want to talk about your next Spears? Yeah. Yes. That's the right answer. Good job, guys. I'm drinking Doom Sauce, which we've already talked about, which is, yeah, it's really good. It's a dark, rich, hoppy black IPA. This is exactly what we were looking for when we were in that, like, good two-and-a-half-week period where everybody was producing black IPAs. Um, Doom Sauce is really good. From uh, Lord Hobo. What's nice is it has that really nice roastiness up front, mm-hmm. and then you get a nice piney hop Finish. with this nice little bitter. It's... it's, it's ex- r- it is it is pitch-perfect black IPA. Yeah, and it's basically the... It's the Anna Kendricks of Black IPAs, is what Paul's saying. It's it's their. Do you stand by that statement? I do actually, because it's you know delightful. It's a little bit asking you to go along with her sarcasticness, but you're willing to write it out. Well, that's okay. You can write it out because you got that ticket for the long way around. Mm-hmm. And it's it is a really good Black IPA. It delivers those things, and it's. Boom Sauce, basically that New England IPA that they've just changed the malts for that's totally changed that beer around. You know, like, I imagine there's some playing around a little bit with hops just just to make it just right, but it's almost spot on just the recipe for Boom Sauce, and that's why they call it Doom Sauce. They're- John, what's you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a play on Juice Bomb from Sloop Brewing. And this is um, part of a rotating series where they take their Juice Bomb recipe and just do one style of hops or like they have one that's New Zealand hops and they do that. But this beer is the Matuka Bomb New England IPA. And this is using the Matuka hops and this beer is like the best version you can think of Fruity Pebbles as a beer. Or Fruit Loops as a beer. Like, it is this really nice, rich, refreshing, juicy hopness that makes me automatically think of, like, Fruit Loops. And uh, now that I've almost finished the glass, it has more of that grassy, green hop flavor to it. And um, again, Paul, like you, I'm drinking a beer that's uh, only about 10 days old. This was canned on 10-6. And um, it is absolutely delicious. I uh, I only brought home a couple cans, but I 
immediately when drinking this wanted to go back and buy a four pack and i'd have no buying no problem buying that four pack because it's like 13.99 and this beer is uh fantastic Speaking of Fruity Pebbles, when you guys come down to Florida in February to visit and we go to Sarah's Galaxy's Edge, we should go through Katsaka's Kettle. Uh, it's a snack stand that they have there where they have a spicy sweet popcorn that basically tastes like a Fruity Pebbles popcorn, but then you get like a hot pepper flavor on the back end of it. It's a really good balance. It's delicious. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to trying when we go there. But yeah, so after talking about our beers, which, yeah, again, I'm drinking my uh, next White Russian Nitro from Left Hand Brewing. It's still really good, guys. Don't worry, I still have cans to bring for you. Um, just don't cross me, because I will drink them on the show, just despite you. Um, but we're going to head into the next part of the episode where we talk about the references to other Marvel movies, as well as the cameos that kind of make the movies a little bit more fun. And some of the references that we get to the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point is when uh, Agent Jasper Sitwell is talking about the people that the Insight program is possibly going to take out as threats. Uh, we get mm-hmm. the name drops of Bruce Banner, but then also Dr. Stephen Strange. And again, like this is before we get the Dr. Strange movie, and it's just noted that, no, he's someone that Hydra views as a threat for one reason or another. He's someone that could potentially cause them problems. Yeah, he's not the Sorcerer Supreme, but this dude's got to be watched. Um, Also, later on when we get the Project Insight satellites targeting people, we get Tony Stark at Avengers Tower and President Ellis from uh, Iron Man 3 being targeted as well. Uh, I do have to ask, is there a leader hidden one with whether or not uh, Nick Fury is actually Nick Fury when he comes back to life, quote-unquote? Is he tell us at this point? I I think at this point we're still getting Nick Fury, Nick Fury. I don't think we're getting uh, from Captain Marvel, Skrull, Telos as... As seen in Fury. the end credits of Far From Home, which I have not yeah. seen yet. Uh, you still, oh my gosh, that's so good. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we get him until that point because he's so in over his head where he's like, they're asking what happened to the Avengers. I don't know. Like, call me back. I, I think we're still getting Nick Fury because, yeah, he's okay. been he's been through some shit at this point, but it's still like Nick Fury before he takes his kind of sabbatical. Uh, that we see him take later on. Um, but on the on the topic of Nick Fury, again, tying into Captain Marvel, we get Nick Fury saying, last time I trusted someone, yeah. I lost an eye. So that line's a reference to Goose the Cat? Exactly. A.K.A. Flurkin, which I absolutely love. I don't know, if, I know you guys know this, but again, listeners, I don't know if you know this, I'm a crazy cat guy. <laughs> He's, I fucking love cats. He he is a crazy cat guy. I slept I'm with their cats my, a my, couple times. What, my favorite nice thing. Allergies. My favorite thing is like Chris was like, "I got two cats. I don't need another cat." 
And then, like, the next day, he went home and got <laughs> another cat. And we were like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get a cat. I stumbled upon a cat that I was like, oh, this poor thing needs a home. Like, I can't leave it alone. Like, I have the means. I have the resources. I can, I can support this thing. I'm just a caring person. I love animals. I just cats are the easiest to have because you clean the litter box, you give them food, you give them water. They do what they're going to do. This moment throws everything we know about Nick Fury into question because it's like, oh my gosh, like, what led to him losing that eye? And it's not until 2018's Captain Marvel that we learn, like, he got scratched by Goose, the flurkin, which caused him to lose his eye. But I reacted very much like Nick Fury would in that moment where it's like, no, you see a cat, you're going to pick it up and you're going to be like, yeah, you're my bro now. We're going to be in this forever. Um, See, I'm a dog person, and I don't, I don't respond the same way you do to cats. But I like, I see a dog, and I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to pet it. I want to play with it. I'm going to get on the ground and roll around with it. Like, I love dogs. Dogs are great too. I just, I'm not home enough to take care of one. That's, um, and something I didn't realize until today when I rewatched this, the song that's playing when Nick. Fury is hanging out at Captain America's apartment when he walks through the door. That's the same song that plays at the end of Avengers Endgame when we get that flashback to Steve dancing with Peggy Carter. It's the same song. Mm, Which, again, like I would not have noticed until I went back and rewatched this. And that's such a smart catch to make, and we'll see if it plays again in any of the other movies, because it's recognizable enough that after watching Endgame, like, the four or five times that I've seen it now, going back to this movie again, which, again, I had seen countless times before today, I didn't catch that until I was just like, oh my gosh, that's that's the song that plays when he finally gets his dance with Peggy. Um. Besides the references that we already talked about previously, um, we get Arnim Zola coming back as the computer brain at the the shield bunker. Do you guys have anything else that you want to like talk about mentioning? Well, I do enjoy that scene noticing? because he's like doing the classic villain thing where he's just explaining away, monologuing. He's just buying time, but he's buying time. Oh, yes. He's literally they're on the time. way. They're, they're they're bombing us now. Uh-huh. And Captain America. Figure some way to survive. Goodness. Ah, uh, and uh, later on, one of the best scenes in Endgame is referenced here in this movie with the the elevator scene. Oh yeah, where Captain America he's in the elevator and he realizes, oh, everybody that's sent in this elevator is sent to take me in and take me down, and it just the elevator goes ding. And he's like, hey, before we get started here. Does anybody want to get out? <laughs> and then the fight starts. Which is a great scene because seeing Captain America up against those odds in like such a tight space, you're like, oh, he's got this. He's Captain America. Those magnetic like, bracers. Every scene's so good. Every scene's so good. Any, uh, any other Marvel references you wanted to call back to, John? 
Um, not anything that pops off the top of my head, but I am three tall boy New England IPAs also, into this. Also, uh, that gets called back in uh, Avengers Endgame is uh, the director, or the, uh, what's councilman, I forget his name, Robert Downey Jr., or not Robert Edford comes in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alexander Pierce. Alexander Pierce to take the scepter away. We get to see him again after he had retired from acting. He came back with a really bad wig. But he's he's back in it. And I I don't like Robert Redford, but I did like that moment, seeing him come back, because it's that kind of lost chapter, deleted scene from Avengers that we never got to see, like that fallout after the fact. Uh, Chris, can I ask you, in this movie, did he enjoy yes. seeing Robert Redford just blow uh, blood? Cold, cold blooded, killing his um, mate. I, like, I do, oh, I do Esperanza. like that moment because it's. I wish he it's not. Such a villain moment where he's just like, "Oh yeah, bye, have a good night." And then Winter Soldier's there. It's all down to business, and it's just like, "Ah oh, shit, you should have let me know." And he just like pops her Esperanza. like and it's. It's such a great like juxtaposition from what we saw with him and Nick Fury. And then we get the callback to it later where it's like, he rejected the Nobel Peace Prize because mm-hmm. peace isn't a prize. It's a goal. Like, mm-hmm. And that just like shows the depths that Hydra's willing to go through. Like, It's just... He's a great villain in this movie because he's not talking about fly fishing. Uh, or a river runs through river it. Runs through it. I know. A river can bite me. Uh, but for cameos, um, writers you like, it's probably Ed Brubaker, who is responsible for writing the original Captain America Winter Soldier arc, which inspired this. And we get to see him in the movie. And this is one that actually caught... Oh, I didn't realize this. He... No, uh, when they're... It's a scene where they're wiping Bucky's mind. He is the. He's one of the bankers. Bearded, he's one of the bearded glasses people that's like strapping Bucky into the machine to, to wipe his mind. <laughs> um, after that, again, one that I didn't become aware of until I saw it listed online as, um, a trivia fact for this. And then when I went back and watched it today, I'm like, "Yep, that checks out. That's him." Uh, Joss Whedon has an appearance in this movie. Would we go to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., and we're getting all the panorams before we get to the exhibit about Captain America? Joss Whedon is someone that's wearing a Captain America t-shirt, coming down the escalator, holding the hand of a child. Um, It's from a distance. You can't really see it. If you look at it, you're just like, oh, it's just people in the thing. But when you know what Joss Whedon looks like after years and years and years of being a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and Firefly fan, you're like, oh yeah, that's totally him. How did I not catch this before? Um, Also at the Smithsonian uh, exhibit, Gary Sinise, star star of the Walt Disney World Epcot attraction. Mission Red Planet, uh, or Mission Mars, or Mission... Mission Mars. He's the narrator... Mission Space. He's the narrator's voice who's like, Captain America, Bucky, lost in the adventure. Whatever he's Yeah, the, the only <laughs> the only hauling commando to lose his life, to uh, give his life. Which, again, they could have just picked 
anybody to do that voice, but for some reason, they went with Gary Sinise, and I I love the fact that it's Gary Sinise. Uh, we've already mentioned before from Community, we have Abed, Danny Beauty, appearing as the Shield technician, um, who basically lets in Captain America, Black Widow. And uh, the Falcon. Uh, also, we get a director cameo from Joe Russo. He's actually one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. doctors that's tending to Black Widow's wounds after they get to the S.H.I.E.L.D. safe house. Ah. Um, if you don't remember what he looks like, he's also been in Endgame. We'll talk about this again later. Where he's the person that's at the Captain America support group talking about how he has the date. And was like, oh, we cried. Then we talked about baseball. Uh, we got another date coming out. Yeah, that's the director of this movie and some of the biggest Marvel movies of all time. And the one that puts the butts in the seats, the ones that make you lean over to your non-comic book reading friend that says, that's Stan Lee, is the Stan Lee cameo where you get him again in the Smithsonian because that's where all of these cameos take place as the security guard that discovers Captain America's suit's gone that says, Oh, oh boy. I'm so fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because what would a Marvel movie be without a Stanley cameo? It would be in 2020. Oh. Whoa. I guess 19, because he wasn't in Endgame. Um, we do get two post-credit scenes with this movie, too. The first one leading into the two Marvel movies away, uh, so that'll be in part 11, Avengers Age of Ultron, where we get Baron Strucker talking about the experiments that they've set up that will lead into the Age of Miracles, which I really think they missed the boat in not calling it the Age of Marvels. Yeah. Uh, But then we get our first glimpses of Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch and um, Aaron Johnson as Quicksilver leading into Age of Ultron. Uh, and then we get a final post-post-credit scene with Sebastian Sands Bucky again at the Smithsonian because, you know what, they paid for the time there, they might as well shoot everything. Uh, visiting the exhibit to learn about himself and Steve Rogers and what their connection is that will lead him to Becoming more Bucky than Winter Soldier. He's just trying to lay low. Um, and, and then also at this point, I guess we can also mention previous Marvel connections where uh, we get the twins, as they're called with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, being created using the Mind Stone that's in Loki's Scepter that Baron Strucker has at his uh, secret castle base. Because he's a supervillain, so why wouldn't he have a secret castle base? But yeah. Uh, so guys, we have our list. Do you want me to go through what your lists are? No, because you can put this at number one. Number one! Is it number one for everyone? Really? Yeah. Oh, this movie's fantastic. I'm so glad that I'm not the only one. I was thinking that somebody else would take Avengers or... Uh... Either Avengers or Iron Man as their number one. Uh, well, not not to go with, like through all the lists. We'll do that at another point. Um, but so far, for where we are right now, again, nine movies into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My top three are Witcher Soldier, 
Avengers and Iron Man 2. Paul, yours are now Winter Soldier, Iron Man, and Captain America, the first Avengers. Because I can do this all day. John, yours are Winter Soldier, Avengers, and Iron Man. Chris, you're the only we also one. Have... <laughs> that, that list, Iron Man 2, is so high. I, I like it more than the original Iron Man. I don't know. It's it's a little bit more fun. Uh, also, again, just to go over our very last ones, I have Incredible Hulk. Paul, you have Incredible Hulk. John, you have Thor the Dark World. I still stand by it. Rather watch Hulk over. And we all have Thor at the same spot, too. That's right. F it up. I got the hiccups again. That's the show. And you can follow us over at uh, the Facebook, over on Twitter. Instagram? Sure. Yeah, we got one. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, look us up. And uh, keep on downloading the show. Tell your friends about it. Rate us and review us uh, over at uh, the podcast for Apple because it's no longer on iTunes. It's a different thing. Yeah, iTunes doesn't exist anymore. And guys, I'm looking forward to part 10 of the Great Marvel Movie Retrospective, which we'll be recording in a week because that's going to actually be a live commentary of Guardians of the Galaxy when I'm going to be in Buffalo. So it's going to be a little bit different episode, but we'll still be talking about things as they pop up, as they happen. Uh, but we'll be probably more drunk as we do it. Yep. We have a lot and of cellar. We have a lot of cellar beers to drink. So much beer. 